Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is the 31st of October, Halloween spooky episode. Uh, It is episode 133. Big show for uh, everyone coming up. We're going to be talking to social media commentator and YouTuber, Topher Field. Mm. Topher's been doing... So it's a bit of a different one for the Young IPA Podcast. It's not something we usually do. But uh, Topher Field has been working a lot on the Murray-Darling Basin and... uh, some of the stuff he comes up, like he's saying on the show and saying on his videos, you're just like, how the hell is this not been the biggest story in the world for the, like the last six months? It is, in, it, it's crazy what's happening as a result of government legislation. And, you know, again, it's a bit different. We're usually like tech and politics, but like this is really important stuff. Yep. We're also going to be talking to uh, Luca Rossi, friend of the show. He's been on before. Uh, as, as I've said, it is Halloween, so Luca Rossi, one of uh, the, you know the people very much in the know of what woke culture is and where the lines are these days, is going to run run everyone through some last minute Halloween suggestions. Anything yep. you're looking forward to in the show? Uh, Pete? Member of Generation Liberty, young Luca Rossi. No, my favourite thing that I'm looking forward to is the interview with Topher. It's fantastic. It's an issue I wasn't really aware of until this week. And also, I love what you've worn for Halloween, James. You look a million bucks. Oh no, that's just normal clothes. <laughs> ah, that's. That's uh, make sure we got that on camera. All the we're all, we're definitely recording. Cool. All okay. the people uh, at home are laughing. I'm sure they are. All right. Uh, let's start off with uh, the big story this yeah. week, which is the coal protests. Exactly right. So the International Mining and Resources Conference in Melbourne has been marred by uh, very violent protests. So not your normal Extinction Rebellion protests, what? which can get a bit, you know, uh, what, what, what would you call <laughs> yeah, it? Sorry for people listening, but like uh, <laughs> we're just playing a few overlays of footage here for the people watching on YouTube. And I'm just going to occasionally go like, oh. That's right. It's, yeah. it's pretty intense. Oh, so it's much sorry, more. Someone just got kneed in the head. It's much sorry, more. This is terrible audio. That's all right. It's much more violent than the normal environmental protests. Obviously, the conference is about mining. Uh, delegates attending the conference and some attending entirely unrelated events yep. have been hassled. They've been spat on. Yeah. They've been pushed. They've been knocked to the ground in some cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, do I love the world of accounting in the 21st century that yeah. much? Yeah. And I'm willing to get beaten over the head for it. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, and. Um, so they've been and prevented from entering the building is, is in certain circumstances is what's happened. Now there've been two arrested from the uh, climate protesters for cruelty to animals. So these people that care about the planet so much yeah. that they're assaulting police uh, police horses. Yeah, they slept three a police, police horse. What the yeah. hell is that? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So terrible stuff there. Three police officers have been hospitalised, one protest hospitalised, and 50 protesters arrested. Mm. Uh, all right. So the two things I want to say about this, like uh, there was one, the, pro- the Australian reporter, the protesters were chanting, we're out on strike today to challenge the elite. i got some bad news for the protesters. Yeah. You are the elite. Yeah. If you are... Protesting coal because you don't have to worry about what type of uh, you know resource your coal, uh, your energy comes from because you have enough money to pay the bills no matter what. You are the elite. You are the elite, and you can't be on strike if you haven't got a job. Yes, exactly. And uh, oh, that's true. And the other one is like this is a global movement from Melbourne to Chile. Uh, now, a global movement, in my view, should also have representatives from impoverished countries that mm. are going to be affected by this. So yeah. until we get like actual people from countries that are going to either have electricity or uh, people that are actually either going to have electricity or not, depending on the coal market, That's until right. those people start attending the protests, you're not a global movement. Exactly right. 11 million people from Bangladesh without electricity. Yes. Let's <laughs> see what they have to say on the issue. Uh, and, and, and obviously, it's just completely disgusting to be spitting on people and pushing people over and things like that. And uh, I'm sure they would have organised these protests using their mobile phones, which of course would not be able to be made without mining. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, All right. So we'll move on to uh, the British election. Yeah, let's do it. I think it's next. So we finally have some sort of date that people can recognise and agree upon in the Brexit debate, which is rare. And let's all just take a moment to welcome it and just be one with it. So the UK is set to go to the polls on the 12th of December. The election, like Boris Johnson's been pushing it for a while now. I think he was like the first leader in how many years to lose his first couple of votes, and he's finally got yep. the election that he wants to go. Uh, that he wants. It's going to be interesting. Conservatives are favourite at the start, and I'm out on like I, I just think everyone should be out on polling. Like, there's nothing anyone knows anymore. That's true. Like after Brexit, after Trump, after yeah. Scott Morrison, no one knows anything anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I was sort of thinking that as well. You know, the Conservatives are a fair way ahead in the polls, yeah. but I had forgotten my thing about polls. Yes. That they're not true. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for reminding me. But I thought uh, what would be fun here, because there's not much to say other th- on this story other than, holy crap, there's actually a date that those people could agree upon. But I thought it would be fun for you and I to do the official Young IPA podcast prediction. Oh, no. Okay. And uh, this might. Yep. All right. So uh, I've scaled the betting markets and I found value. Unlucky. <laughs> have uh, you found value? I have found value. All right. How about this one, though? The Brexit party, yeah. the over-under on how many seats they win is 0.5. Yeah. Like, from just the temperature of the public and how popular Brexit is in traditional Labor seats and Labor seats that aren't that... Uh, Labor uh, sitting members that aren't that keen on Brexit, mm. they don't win one? Well, look, if their support is spread out throughout the country, then, yeah, that's how... They don't win The West Mississippi one? <laughs> yeah, I don't are, know. Are you in on that? Uh, As a prediction... You don't I, have to put your finances look, behind it, but as a prediction, 0.5. That I'm going to say, I'm normally an optimistic person, I'm going to say none. You're going to say none? Mm. All right, I'm going to say at least one. Do you have any other predictions you want to make about this one? Look, I don't know if I've got predictions, but I think I'm concerned that what if it's like, just they send the same people back and it's roughly the same setup that we've got oh, at the it's moment. Oh, it's like literally... <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's the most... Motion carries. <laughs> uh, I, all right, so Pete, uh, would your prediction be it's just the same? Yeah, okay, let's make it that. It's, it's just, just the same. It's negative today. Yeah. Normally I'm like much more negative, you know. Well, maybe, yeah. perk up. You know, it's a different recording time. We're doing this in the late afternoon rather than the morning. Yeah. So I'm just going to say perk up. Okay. Well, Mon- yeah, I'll go downhill as the day goes on. All right. Uh, so, okay. The last thing we want to get into before yeah. we get into heroes and villains is the latest with the ACCC. Well, James, you know that I know everything about the ACCC and technology. So I'll take right, this one. Right, what's it stand for without uh, looking? Australian Consumer you're looking, and you're Competition. Looking, you're looking right now. I'm, I'm only <laughs> looking at ACCC. Oh, okay. Anyway, Australian Consumer and Competition Commission. Well done. I'm not 100% sure that's correct, but anyway. Competition um, and Consumer Commission, but I'll pay it. Okay, so the tech giant Google It was a good prediction that you predicted that it would be that name. Good prediction. You're one for one. Let, let me go here. So <laughs> tech giant jo- jo- uh, Google has been hauled into the federal court by the ACCC, uh, and the AP- ACCC has said that Google have misled consumers when it made on-screen representations about lo- location data. Mm. So what does that mean, Peter? You're asking me, James. Yeah. What that means is that... Uh, so. Uh, if you had an Android uh, phone or tablet and you had a Google account, Google would uh, give you this thing that if you don't want your location to be known by Google, you'd select that to be off, right? If mm-hmm. that makes sense. But they, no, they It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It's a very good privacy measure. What or the, so we thought. What the C is saying is that Google sort of implied that that would do that, but there is actually another part of your phone or tablet that you would also have to change for your location yep. not to be known. So it's a little bit dodgy by Google if what they're saying is correct. Yes, so... If I can get this straight, mm. and this is breaking news to me, yep. is everyone's phone spying on them? Well, basically, yeah. Yeah, because like this is, yeah, I mean, no one is surprised by this. Mm. And if true, yeah, it's obviously quite crappy what Google is doing. But yep. like, this is the debate about time. Your phone is spying on you at all times. And when the government, like, you know, I know it's just the HLPC at this point, but if the government starts saying, okay, you can't do this, you can't do this, or like, you know, even the moves in the US that, we should nationalize Facebook and stuff like that because of these privacy concerns. It's like, who do you want having your data like mm. that? Do you want corporations or do you want the government? Mm. Or neither. <laughs> well, I, I mean, buy a flip phone if it's neither, but like, yep. you know, no one will buy the flip phone. Yeah. Uh, it's either corporations and, you know, at least there's some sort of competition. But if you hand it all over to the government, then there's no competition to the government. That's so right. I'm way more terrified. Like, I am scared that my phone is recording me right now. I mean, I know a microphone is also recording me right now, so I really should be uh, on board with what's being said. But like, my phone knows where I am at all times. It knows what I'm searching. But uh, I would rather the corporations have that than the government. Yeah, yeah. And run the risk that I never piss off any employee at one of these corporations that can just go through my files. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. No, you're right there. I would just point out for those who are about to throw their Androids out the window. <laughs> they, they're gone. They don't do it anymore. <laughs> it was being doing for Because they'll early. still find you. The Android will be back inside your laptop. It'll like find its way back into your car. It'll still find you. And also Google aren't doing it anymore. They only did it till the end of 2018. Right, yeah. So they say. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, like, here's the other thing. So I read this like the Conversation Australia article about it. Uh, it says like, you know, how the fine that Google will pay, they'll make it back in like three days. So people are saying, well, what's the point of finding Google in the first place if that's mm. all it is? Uh, it says here, 
But this does not mean the ACCC is proceeding against Google are a pointless exercise. Aside from the impact on Google's reputation, these proceedings may highlight for consumers the difference between platforms which have incentives to hide data practices from consumers and other platforms, like the search engine DuckDuckGo, which offers privacy respecting alternatives. This is the thing. No one's going to use DuckDuckGo. Certainly not with that name. That's the stupidest name for a search engine I've ever heard in my life. Uh, This will literally never happen. Like... You either uh, throw out your phones and we're all back to the 1980s or just it, it sucks. Well, no, well, Google can be, you know, usurped by a new way of doing things. Technology, I mean, history I, shows I, that. Money, my money's on Google over DuckDuckGo. Yeah, maybe over <laughs> DuckDuckGo, but maybe in five <laughs> years there'll be, there'll be or a new... Ask Jeeves. Maybe in five years there'll be a new Google. And then they will get our data. Yeah, well, yeah. it'll, you know, evolve over time, right. which is why I don't like the ACCC because they don't understand that monopolies don't last forever. Okay. Very good point. Uh, all right, let us move on to heroes and villains. Okay. Sorry, this is the set. Oh, so I reckon like these get f- further and further up every time I do- start doing the read but to the point that like we'll get the grunt the pig sound effect while I'm doing the show introduction next week. It's because he lives for it. He lives for he it. This is the highlight of his week. All right, so heroes and villains like th- that was a snort of freedom, the snort that we give to people that have stood up for freedom and for liberty around the world this week. So Pete, who gets a snort of freedom from your books? Look, I'm going to say this is not an imaginative hero. It's an obvious hero, but sometimes the most heroic heroes are obvious. Yep. <laughs> and that is, this week, Kanye West released his new album. It's called Jesus is King. Apparently, it's only 22 minutes, you told me. Uh, something like that. It's definitely less than 30. So it's that's good. quite rock star. Like, I'm not going to give you an hour. I'm going to give you 30 minutes because that's how good I am. Anyway, that's not why he's a hero. The hero is it's because in an interview with radio host Big Boy on Friday, West slammed cancel culture as well as the notion that a black person must vote for someone solely based on their race. And I'll quote from that interview right now. I've been cancelled before. That was cancelled culture. Who told you that my career would be over? The same people that told you have no... Uh, sorry, the same people that are telling... that. Uh, telling you that you can't have a right to say who you will vote for. Now, he goes on to say about how all white people have always told him that he shouldn't... Sorry to bore you, mate. Oh, sorry, no, <laughs> just, no, just, uh, just had lunch. No, that's right, yeah. So he goes on to say that, um, you know, people said, oh, I can't believe you voted Trump and you like Trump because, yeah. you know, you're black and he's racist, blah, blah, blah. And he said that the most racist thing you can tell someone is that who they should vote for based on their skin colour. Yes. So Kanye... You're my hero this week. Yeah, it's a very good uh, interview and like good selection. I swear Kanye just does this to sell albums though. Like he always perks up about identity politics right when he's flogging something. There might be a bit of a commercial uh, and, aspect to it. Yeah, and like the album is good uh, and I know you haven't listened to it, but you should <laughs> because the song- How do you know I haven't listened to it? Because you told me, you said apparently it's only 22 minutes, which is something that you would have found out uh, had you listened to there it. There are no flaws on you, young James. <laughs> uh, and I just want to say- the lyric, closed on Sunday, she's my Chick-fil-A, belongs in a museum. Okay. Like, as long as that album gave us that lyric, we're, yeah. we're fine. Because okay. that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, I'll look out for that. All right. Uh, my hero for this week is... Larry King. <laughs> Only real ones are going to get that reference, so I'm very glad we got that in there. But anyway, it is Larry King. It. And I don't know why he's weighing in on Australian politics. He doesn't seem to be related to a tour or a book sale or anything. But it was front page of The Australian this week that Larry King wanted his opinions known mm. about the Right to Know campaign. And uh, what he said first, so obviously right to know, birthed from uh, when the Australian Federal Police raided Anika Smethurst's home a few months ago. And he said he was astounded when he heard about that. And the quote being, I am not a violent person, but if that had happened to me, I would have reacted with violence. Larry King is 85 years Mm. old. Now, I want this movie made. Larry <laughs> King, like we, we had the People versus Larry Flynn. I want the Australian Federal Police versus Larry King. Like, yeah. That needs to be the shootout John Wick action hero movie that Australia needs. Anyway, so he went on to say one thing which uh, is interesting, which is that he says Australia should have a First Amendment. Now, mm-hmm. the First Amendment obviously protects freedom of speech in the US. Uh, co- Congress cannot make laws on uh, issues of speech. Mm. Uh, now, as we said on last week's show, You're right to know there's some good aspects to it, the defamation law, stuff like that, but it's quite clear that it doesn't go far enough in our books uh, because it's a lot of like, oh, freedom of the press for journalists, Mm. but, uh, you know, common folk uh, must remain under speech laws. Salt of the earth podcasters, for example. Yeah, exactly. But if we had a First Amendment, there'd be no 18C, there'd be no religious religious discrimination laws, and there'd be no when the Gillard government tried to censor the media. Mm -hmm. So Larry King gets it. Australia needs a First Amendment. 
Yeah, yeah. He's no, my hero for the week. I think you're right. And I can't believe that you chose an American talk show host. I know. I know. I hate those guys. I hate American comedy and culture. All right, so, let's move on to uh, Villains of the Week. So this is the Howard Peck uh, Villainy Award for the inverse, like just people that have stood up for tyranny and for hatred. Uh, let us go with yours, Pete. Yeah, this is excellent. And actually, if I had remembered it at the start of the show, I would have rem- listed it in my highlights. Anyway, that's not that important. In March... <laughs> but it's a peek behind the curtain. It's, that was what was going through my head as I... Uh, looked at my story. In March, we had the mysterious case of the missing graph from the Bureau of Meteorology. Young Saul's put it up on the screen. Uh, now, for people watching on YouTube, the original graph, uh, which disappeared in March 2019, had the year 1952 as having the highest number of very hot days uh, of all time oh, on the data set, uh, and the year 2011 with the lowest number. Now, that simply disappeared down to memory hole in March without explanation from the Bureau of Meteorology. People who keep a close eye on the bomb uh, noticed that. Now, recently, a new rectified graph, rectified in inverted commas, yeah, has. Peter, Peter's doing the inverted commas hand signal for people listening. For those listening, uh, has appeared in another section of the website, and now this one says the year 1952 has no longer the highest number of very hot days. The old graph had 21 very hot days in 1952, while the new graph only has 16 very hot days. So five very hot days have disappeared. Further to that, the year 2011, which embarrassingly for climate change alarmists, previously had the lowest number of very hot days. Yep. It now has, they've added an extra um, very hot day, so right. it's no longer the lowest. So what does this all mean? It just means that, come on, <laughs> where's this come from? <laughs> It's so, a bit obvious. It's pretty obvious. All right. I, I go never attribute malice when incompetence will do. Yeah, and I mean, when it's like uh, records from the 1950s get changed, I'm just like, yeah, well, p- maybe because people took crappy records back in the 1950s. Oh, they just happened to find them in March. Yeah, I get that. I get and that. there's five extra ones. Yes. And, uh, it, and it was like it's specifically the one that's the very hottest and specifically the one that's the very lowest. But it could be incompetence. Yeah. I, I Until I see the email saying like, ah, just get rid of those few, mm. I'm going to assume incompetence. Well, it's probably on WhatsApp. But um, uh, I... <laughs> we need the... Uh, C. <laughs> For malice or incompetence or a combination of the two, you are yep. my villain. Bomb. All right. Uh, my villain this week, sorry, is basically just people that push for plastic bag bans. And okay. uh, coming in tomorrow in Victoria, the 1st of November, is a ban on lightweight plastic shopping bags. Uh, here's the thing, though. Everyone wants to save the environment. Like, everyone loves getting around the environment. Yeah. But plastic bag bans do not actually work. So this is from an article, an uh, interview that uh, the University of Sydney, Sydney professor, Rebecca Taylor, gave with NPR. So people in cities with plastic bag bans use fewer plastic bags, sure, but okay. people who need to reuse their shopping bags for other purposes, like picking up dog poop or lining Ooh. trash bins, still needed bags. So what, I found, what she found was the sales of garbage bags actually skyrocket after plastic bag, uh, plastic grocery bags were banned. Mm. So people are, you know, not using plastic; they're just using bigger versions of plastic that are harder to biodegrade. Especially for the dog poop, because if you're going to chuck that out straight away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like, there's no actual reason to pick up dog poo with like, you know, industrial sink plastic bags. It's not that bad. So. 30% of the plastic that is eliminated by plastic bag bags comes back in the form of thicker garbage bags. Now, the other part of it is if you don't want to use plastic bags and yep. if you don't want to use the big plastic bags and you want to use paper bags instead, yep. they're actually worse for the environment. Uh, they use uh, they result in about 80 million pounds of extra paper garbage per year and a bunch of studies have found that paper bags are actually worse for the environment. They qu- require cutting down and processing trees, which involves lots of water, toxic chemicals, fuel, and heavy machinery. So, plastic bag bans do not work. So why do, why do all the corporations in Australia go for them? Mm. More money. Yeah. So the, the, these bans are only helping Coles and Woolworths uh, top dollar people get a bit of extra cash because they can charge you for big plastic bags. I, look, I agree. And I love the way you said at the start of your, that little segment, everyone loves to get around the environment. Everyone loves to get around the environment. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And now this is something I haven't told James because you know they're banning plastic bags in Victoria from Friday. I've brought in some plastic bags okay. to be part of the set for the remainder of the show. <laughs> sure. All right. For those listening... So we're, around, we're about the environment until we want to do a few props. We're, we're, for those listening, I've yep. just made our... I've just beautified our table with some plastic <laughs> bags from well, my collection go. in my desk. Okay, brilliant. Uh, let us go to our interview with Topher Field. Yep. 
Okay, we now welcome on to the show uh, Topher Fields, social media commentator, author of a really good article in the latest edition of the IPA Review, which I'm now holding up for the people watching on YouTube and Facebook, uh, and it is about the Murray-Darling Basin. So in the article and in the videos that you make on the subject, uh, you've said that government policy is causing or making much worse uh, a severe drought in the Murray-Darling Basin and it's completely ruining lives just on government policy alone. So do you want to talk to us about why that is? Yeah, well, there's, there's really there's two halves to the Murray-Darling Basin at the moment. In the north, they're out of water. There's not really anything that anyone can do about that. There is a very severe drought. They claim that it's unprecedented. I really question that. The level of rainfall has been very low, but the duration so far has actually not been that long compared to millenni the Millennium Drought and other droughts before. Mm -hmm. But it has certainly been a deep drought. The, in the northern basin, they're out of water. There's not much you can do about that. We just needed to rain up there. In the southern half of the basin, and that's from the Murrumbidgee River down the, the, the Murray River for both the New South Wales side and the Victorian side and then into South Australia, the Murray River is overflowing, literally. That's not, a, not a, a turn of phrase. It is literally spilling its banks in places. We have billions upon billions of litres of water flowing down an absolutely chock-a-block full Murray River into South Australia with about 10 billion litres of water flowing out to sea. Now, that amount of water, you put a billion on anything and it's hard to comprehend, it's hard to actually picture what that is. Well, one megalitre of water is an Olympic swimming pool. One gigalitre of water is 1,000 Olympic swimming pools. We have 10,000 Olympic swimming pools of water, fresh irrigation water flowing out to sea every day right now in what's supposed to be an unprecedented drought. So you have a lot of farmers who are struggling mm -hmm. and they can go down to their, the river that's not close by to them and watch the water that they need go straight out to sea. In many cases, they literally have the river as one of their boundaries. Right. And they are standing on dead crops. They're selling off cattle that they can't feed because they can't grow any fodder for them. And at exactly the same time, they're looking at a river that's spilling its banks. So why is this happening? The, the detailed answer is long, long and complicated, so let me give you the simplified answer. Knowing that it is simplified, I'm having to gloss over a lot of the details. In yeah, I should point out, if you do want to read a whole lot about this, you've done an, um, some amazing work on your Facebook page, so go to Topher Field's Facebook page if you want to read more about it. But and check out the IPA review. Yes. Yes. Uh, and thank you for the article, IPA. I really appreciate it. So the, the short version is that in 2007, the federal government brought in new laws where they essentially gave themselves the power to administrate water. They gave themselves $13 billion worth of taxpayers' money with which to buy up water rights. Their argument is that they only bought water from willing sellers. Uh, but of course, anyone that understands the way that markets operate, when you add a new buyer who is cashed up to the max and actually has no business case to answer for, there was no price for water from the government's point of view where it became unviable for them. For a farmer, there's a break-even point. For the government, there isn't. They came in and they bought up approximately one third of all of the irrigation water in the, in the Murray-Darling Basin. Now, can you imagine any other industry where people have invested millions upon millions of dollars, in this case into farms, but any industry, on infrastructure that relies on a specific resource to, be, to pay, in order for them to pay the loans back on that infrastructure? Uh, then you remove one third of that resource, but all of the infrastructure is still there. The loans, the debts to the bank, the farmers that sold their water were often selling out of desperation, trying to survive. They then often go on to sell the farms because it doesn't work. Selling the water wasn't enough, they go on to sell the farms. Someone else comes in, some young aspiring farmer comes in, takes out a massive bank loan to buy this beautiful property full of all this amazing irrigation infrastructure. What do they then have to do? Go on the market and buy water. The problem is there's now only two-thirds of the available water with all of those people chasing it. They've created an artificial water shortage. This is why the, the prices have gone absolutely through the roof. Now, it's convenient for the government to blame the market. The government says, oh, it's the water market. You can't, you can't hold us responsible for that. Well, it's not a true market when the government themselves are coming in as a $13 billion elephant in the room and paying any price for water that these other people have already built infrastructure and taken on loans on the belief that they were going to be able to use it. Now, this is connected to, of course, uh, the other end of the river down in South Australia, uh, 1940s they built barrages or something yes do you want to talk us through that aspect of this because to me that sort of struck me as like i can't believe this has happened <laughs> yeah th this is pretty nuts if you if you turned around and said i want to build some barrages across the mouth of uh, port phillip bay or mm. the heads in sydney okay what we're going to do is we're going to build barrages across we're going to block the seawater from coming in and we're going to make those freshwater lakes using the water out of the yarra river in the case of melbourne or Parramatta river in the case of sydney you would never 
get away with that now. The environmentalists would be screaming their heads off, and with some justification. These are important marine areas where certain species are able to breed in estuarine environments that can't breed anywhere else. In the 1940s, of course, we didn't have the environmental controls that we have today. So in the 1940s, that's exactly what they did across the mouth of the lower lakes in South Australia. They built barrages, cut them off from the ocean, and turned them into freshwater lakes relying on the flow of water from the, from the Murray River itself. Now, that, that, is, that does a number of things. Well, firstly, we've got a number of, of species that are now endangered that weren't and shouldn't be, the Murray Hardyhead being a key one. Uh, we decimated fisheries. We had a, a wonderful Mulloway fishery down there that was producing literally millions of, uh, of tonnes, or thousands of tonnes, sorry, of, uh, of Mulloway for human consumption. Uh, that was completely decimated by, by what they did. But in addition to that, what happened as a result was if the flows from the Murray River declined for any reason, and this is the land of droughts and flooding rains, we know it's not consistent, there wouldn't be enough water flowing into those lower lakes to maintain the water level. Because 800 billion litres, so let me put that, that's 800... Uh, How many swimming pools? Yeah, yeah I'm, just try I'm trying to do the <laughs> conversion. So it's 800 uh, gigalitres becomes 800,000 megalitres, so 800,000 Olympic swimming pools of water evaporates off Lake Alexandrina, the lower lakes, every year. That's just evaporation. Now, that's fine if it's ocean water, but now it's fresh water that we have to keep supplying to those lakes, otherwise the water level starts to drop. That's what happened during the Millennium Drought, and this is why the, the Water Act of 2007 was brought in in the first place, is because during the Millennium Drought, the Murray River had very little flow, was not able to replace evaporation, and what happened was the lower lakes actually dropped below sea level. Now, ordinarily, before the barrages, that wouldn't be possible. All that would happen is seawater would flow in to replace it, right? But because we'd cut it off, it dropped below sea level, exposing acid sulfate soils. And we were about to have a massive amount of acid. We, we were literally going to turn the lower lakes into an acid pool because of the oxygen getting to the acid sulfate soils that it had never been able to get to because previously it had, it, water would have flown in from the ocean to replace that. That was the premise for creating the Water Act of 2007 and the Murray-Darling Basin Authority in the first place. Instead of saying, oops, we made a mistake, maybe we should open the barrages up and let the seawater back in to cover that soil. Instead, they said, oops, we made a mistake. Looks like we have to take one third of all the productive water off our farmers mm -hmm. and send that down to that pool to evaporate. Yeah, so that that's, that's the source of it. Yeah. 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 All right, so let's talk about the effect that this is having. Because mm. uh, in your video and in the review article, you mentioned job losses and even suicides mm. from a lot of farmers. Mm -hmm. So we've got this government policy that's just coming in to protect other government policies and farmers are suffering. So mm -hmm. what's actually happening on the scene? On the ground, we are seeing an absolute exodus from certain industries. The dairy industry has probably been the highest profile and, and, and the, the most losses. People walking away from multi-generational farms, and I'm not just talking about farmers who aren't very good at their jobs. Uh, in any industry, at any given point in time, there are people going out of business because of any one of a number of variables that happen. Even the farmers that I'm talking to who are getting run out of business, they accept that. They accept that reality. They're not thinking that they had some guaranteed success because, oh, we're farmers, we should always be allowed to succeed. But they're sitting there saying, you know what? I watched my dad go through the millennium drought and I watched how he managed the farm and what he did and I learned from him and I've learned even more ever since. But even doing everything, everything that has been done in the past to survive droughts, we couldn't survive this. And to add insult to injury, as we mentioned early on, this is not actually a drought in the sense that there's no water left. They're going out of business watching this water flowing past, in many cases, the boundary of their farm. So for dairies, it's been absolutely decimating. For many croppers, it's been absolutely decimating. But then there's the second order effects. All of your townships have, have small businesses and contractors and so forth who depend on these farms. This is their lifeblood. When farmers make money, they then spend it. And it's been, I, I don't recall which study, but it's been shown that a, a dollar earned by a farm is typically spent about seven times within its local area before it leaves. Yeah, you think about like mechanics and stuff like correct, that. People correct, correct. You help. hand it to the employee, the employee goes and you know, buys his groceries and the person who works at the, at the yep. grocery store goes and gets their car serviced about seven times. So when you're taking away literally hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue away from farms, you're taking actually seven times that away from the communities out there and, and the amount of economic activity that they have. So we're seeing towns dying uh, and tragically we're seeing people who are just pushed to the absolute edge and, and make the most horrible decision. Two of my, uh, one of my siblings and one of my cousins are actually pastors at Baptist churches out uh, in country Victoria and um, 
both of them have had to attend suicides and had to help families pick up the pieces after what's been done. Uh, and you talk to either of them about that and it's very hard for them to talk about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what I'm hearing of this like is just because they're not in major cities and because farmers aren't in Canberra, like th- there's, there's got to be a reason that this isn't a national talking point every single day. Like I know 60 Minutes have now covered it. I know it was featured on Q&A this week. But it's not exactly as talked about as maybe like other government policy disasters like the Pink Bat scheme. I actually think it's having its moment now. Mm. Like but it's Q&A been an issue for night, like a fair few months. On 60 Minutes mm. on Sunday. And now right. it's on the Young NPA podcast. Channel yeah, 7. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It's, it's really hit the big time. Channel 7 ran a great story where they did talk about the, the waste of water going out of the lower lakes into the, into the Southern Ocean as well. It's definitely having its moment. But if you rewind back to six months ago, any time you saw any media talking about the drought, it was blaming farmers for over-extraction or it was blaming climate change change or some similar thing. Mm. I made that series of videos that kind of kicked off this issue from certainly from my point of view, released those in May. By June, we saw the tone in the media change. Now, every piece that they did on the drought at least mentioned the the Murray-Darling Basin Authority, at least mentioned the potential for mismanagement of of water. And we've seen a steady progression. We've just kept on beating that drum in the months since. And it's not just me. There's there's an army of people working on it, some very, very clever people, each of us doing our own thing. I'm the comms guy. I'm, I'm probably the most visible out of all of us. But in reality, there's an army of people actually working incredibly hard in the background. And what you're seeing now, this issue having its moment, really is the fruit of all of the, the work that has been poured into this issue by a lot of people to actually get it to the point where, yes, it is now actually hitting the top of the consciousness of, of Australian media and Australian people. Let's speak a second about the Q&A uh, that was on mm. last night because uh, David Littlebrad got his butt handed to him, in my opinion. Talk us through what happened. And I know that you said just before that actually you had a question lined up that was mm. meant to be asked but didn't quite make it onto the show. Yeah. What was that question? Okay, so uh, for those of you who missed the show, uh, I'm not a, a regular Q&A watcher, but I made an exception in this case. Um, no one is anyone, none of anyone who listens to this is a regular, <laughs> is a regular Q&A watcher. Um, no, it was very, very interesting. And, and all I'll say about David Littleproud is the pressure is really beginning to show. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were mates with David Littleproud, I would be sitting him down for a drink and asking him if he's okay because I think based on his performance and based on the way that he frayed around the edges over certain issues, uh, I think he's a man who's not 100% okay. And I don't say that to be condescending. That is something that I actually care about. Mental health has been the the impact of this water shortage, this artificial water shortage. It's been devastating from a mental health point of view for farmers. And uh, and I think that David Littleproud is perhaps uh, finding out a, a bit about what that feels like. Uh, to feel like he's under siege. Uh, Farmers have felt that for a very long time. I don't say that without sympathy, but I do think he's out of his depth in his job. Uh, I do think that he needs to step aside or be removed. Uh, The way that he avoids questions, he never answers anything. My reflection on his performance was that it sounded like he was just reading a script out of Utopia, the TV show Utopia. the, The buzzwords that he was using, the circular language that he was using, speaking of reviews and best available science, but none of these actually mean anything. None of these words mean anything. Uh, It was just classic utopia. So that's what I'd say about his performance. The question that I uh, had through another audience member who graciously asked me to write their question for them and then they were informed that their question had been accepted, um, I asked the question, uh, given that according to the Murray-Darling Basin Authority's own website, there are 15 billion litres of water, so 15,000 Olympic swimming pool pools of water crossing the South Australian border in the Murray River every day. It's my metric now. That's right, the swimming pool. Um, And given that that's three times South Australia's allocation, okay, so it's not as though this is South Australia's water that they need. No, that's three times their allocation is flowing across the border every day. And at least 10 billion litres or 10,000 Olympic swimming pools is flowing out to sea every day. How can the government maintain the, the claim that the water in the Murray River is actually being put to good use? How can they say they blame, they say it's for, for almond growers downstream or it's for environmental flows or it's for these sorts of things. Uh, you know, can you explain what is this water actually for and why are we sending that much out to sea given the lack of water further upstream? Does, uh, because when uh, this question came up on Q&A, there was like real anger in the room and a lot of people were on board with the changes that need to be made to the Water Act mm. to stop this tragedy. So are you hopeful for legislative change coming quickly? This, this issue is going to be won by the people, not by the government, simply because for the people of Australia and for the people in country Australia, this is an existential crisis. The government has have conned themselves into thinking that this is going to go away. 
that if they can just tough it out and get through it, then everyone will adapt and get used to the new situation and this whole thing will simmer down. They are absolutely delusional. That attitude from them is, is all the proof you need that they have absolutely no concept of the impact that this policy is actually having out on the ground in Australia. And they can think that for as long as they want. The anger level is just going to increase. I said when I was emceeing the protest at Tokenwall, we had over 3,000 people join us there. I said at the time, as a message to the government, I said, how far do you, do you want us to go? You tell us, like, you know, we've, we've been polite. We've asked nicely. We've had little protests here and there. We've written submissions to various government bodies that have wanted to do reports. We've met with politicians. We've done it all nicely. At Tokenwell, I said, after this, the gloves are off. No more playing nice. It's up to you, government. How far do you want us to go? And at the moment, clearly what they're telling us is you have to go further. And so that's what we're preparing to do. Now, they've already, we've already begun to see acts of civil disobedience, and this wasn't me, and I don't know who it was, but people have begun dumping truckloads of rocks into irrigation channels that are releasing water out or wasting water out into forest areas at the moment. We've begun to see the first simmering of active, aggressive civil disobedience coming from the people of Australia against the mismanagement of their water. That is only going to increase, and it is definitely not going to go away until these policies are actually fixed. So my question for the government is how far do you want the people of Australia to go? Because that's how far they will go. Very interesting. Uh, so you're currently, uh, I think, crowdfunding Blood in the Water, an upcoming yeah. campaign. Do you want to tell us about that briefly? Yes. So um, th there's a couple of things that I'm trying to do with a, with a new video. So it was a, a series of four videos that I did back in May that really sort of brought this issue or, or begun this issue's journey into the, the spotlight that we see where it is today. But there's a couple of things that are still being missed. And the mainstream media, they have deadlines and column inches to fill and so forth. And you've kind of got to hand them the story and really put it in front of them. So that's what this video aims to do, is to really make the amount of water flowing out to sea central and really just put that in your face as a direct comparison. This is what's happening with freshwater in South Australia. This is what's happening on farms in New South Wales and Victoria. How can these both be happening at the same time? How can that possibly be acceptable? But then to move through that, <clears throat> into a stage where I actually start to bring up the statements that have been made by the likes of uh, Minister David Littleproud and Minister Susan Lee, uh, as well as some state uh, water ministers, where they all agree, verbally at least, that the status quo isn't working. They all say, oh, yes, we're working very hard to fix this and et cetera. And then they all start pointing fingers at each other. And so you've got one minister saying, well, I can't do this on my own. I need the minister for water. And the minister for water saying, well, I can't do this on my own. I need, I need the minister for the environment. You say, well, well, how about you get in a room and, and fix this? You've got politicians who work and live in Canberra every day saying, oh, we can't release environmental water to farmers. Uh, legislation stops us. Well, if only we could think of somebody who could change some legislation, you know? Yeah. Like these are, these are insulting comments, insulting to their face, to our, to our face. But the media aren't actually picking them up on this and saying, guys, you are literally the cause of this problem and the only solution to this problem, pull your fingers out mm -hmm. with respect and go and fix this problem. And if you won't, then we will keep on amping up until you get brushed aside and we install somebody who will. All right, brilliant. Topher Field, social media commentator. Make sure you're reading his article in the IPA review and make sure you're liking the Facebook page to keep up to date with um, everything else that's coming out in this story. So thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Really Thanks, appreciate Mark. it. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show Luca Rossi, one of our favourite uh, Generation Liberty members and friends of the show. Welcome Thanks back. Thanks very much for having me back. Ba back right. by popular demand, you might say. Yes, indeed. Uh, so this episode, it's coming out on Halloween. Hopefully everyone out there has got their costumes sorted. But if you haven't, if you're the kind of person that throws it all together on Saturday and just rocks up to one of my parties wearing a mask that he ditches within 15 seconds, Peter, does this sound <laughs> familiar to anyone? It's about uh, time you got over that, right? That was about five <laughs> years ago. Then we're here to help you out. Because uh, the last thing you want to do is cause offense with your costume can be quite the uh, ordeal yeah. if you go with something that uh, doesn't meet up with modern lines. So Pete and I thought, uh, what are some do's and don'ts? Where are the modern lines? Where are they drawn? And we couldn't think of anyone better to talk to on this than Luca. So Luca, like, let's let's run through it. So what are the do's and don'ts of Halloween this year? Uh, I'd, I'd like to say firstly that there's a lot of don'ts. There's okay. probably more um, don'ts than do's, yeah, I would say. There's a real, there's a whole list. Um, but the main one is nothing that's culturally specific. Okay. Because if you wear something that's that's inherently racist, if it's from another culture. Yeah, really? and it could even be like, uh, say, you find uh, one culture like particularly inspirational, or you identify with one character that comes from that culture. Maybe like a Dragon Ball Z character. Is that 
part of it. Like, you, if you dress up as Goku, are you in the, <laughs> therefore? Who are these people? <laughs> am I the only one that knows about Dragon Ball Z? This would no, be insane. Goku's the oh, sorry, one. Pete. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, for Peter, uh, you know, is there anyone from I Love Lucy that would have? <laughs> I said that like a couple of years ago. But I, if, like, if you dress up as Goku, are you offending Japanese people or are you just going, I like Goku? Oh, well, see, the thing is, the thing is not only are you, are you offending Japanese people, mm-hmm. but you're belittling everything that they've been through in the past as well. That's what you're doing. Okay. So you're basically, it's near... Wearing a, wearing something that's cultural appropriation, you're basically a colonialist. Right. At oh, wow. This point. Yeah. Okay. So Goku, yeah. that's out, and I'm gonna just draw a line through any anime characters at all. I just, think just stay, just, stay well safe. clear. Just stay well safe. clear of any yeah. Japanese culture. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about uh, controversial characters from TV shows? Now, uh, if but is depiction necessarily uh, uh, what is it praising? So yeah. if you go as say King Joffrey, do you only go as Joffrey, or do you go as everything that Joffrey stands for? Uh, yeah, you go is everything. Do you know who Joffrey is? Though? I know who Joffrey is. <laughs> and he got what was coming to be honest. But like, is that a thing that people say that you can't be Joffrey? Well, I just... Well, that's oh, what we're learning the do's and don'ts. If, if we're going <laughs> to... Look, just to be safe, we'll just... We'll say yes, because... No, you're not, you're not able to go as King Joffrey. Right. Okay? Because you are endorsing everything that he's done. Okay. That's what you're doing. Right. Okay? You're saying, yes, not only, not only am I going to be a caricature of him, right? You're not allowed to do that. What you're actually saying is no matter what your own intentions are, what we're telling you your intentions are is that you are endorsing everything he's about and yep. all the connotations with it. Yeah. Okay? Uh, it's not up to what you intend. It no. is how other people read it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Any yeah. other do's and don'ts you want to get through, or Pete? Do you have any questions? Uh, no. I, I was just going to ask. You know, well, what can we wear? If there's no do's or don'ts. What are stuff we can wear? Just, just don't have a Halloween party, I guess. Yeah. Oh, just well, stay just, at home. Yeah. Stay at home. Yeah. Maybe, maybe go to mass. Go to go to mass. <laughs> I think that'd be a safe option. <laughs> yeah. There wouldn't be a lot of people there. You get a good seat. Uh, all right. So, well, all right. So we've run through a few do's and don'ts. Don't culturally appropriate. Don't. Uh, endorse any people that might be questionable yeah in fact probably look through the person you're going as is twitter history just to make sure there aren't any oh definitely twitter history get... facebook anything anything yeah. you can dig up yeah if you go as them it will be dug up against you so just make sure you find it first absolutely so, so you so can't say, go as justin trudeau you can't go as justin trudeau because <laughs> <laughs> that would be an easy one to put a tie on you, go, you know I'm, yeah but what version I'm, of oh, justin yeah, trudeau yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah the traditional version no, if you go what is the traditional trudeau, version yeah. of justin trudeau just a tie and like oh, i'm really woke <laughs> I can, I can pull off Justin Trudeau. I've got People that same sort of dreamy demeanor, you know. Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, what's next? Yeah, well, I was going to say, you don't want to uh, halfway through a party figure out that uh, your character had some controversial Twitter history yeah. that gets brought mm. up and then you have to go into the bathroom and change. Exactly. All right, right. Uh, so Pete and I have some <laughs> costume ideas that we think could work, but again, we're just not up to date with work culture. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just want to run them by you. Let, let's see if okay. they hold up. So Pete, do you want to go first or am I? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go first. But I think my concern is that once I bring this up, uh, there's nowhere else to go. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, So, what I think, Luca, Mm -hmm. and hear me out, is that the clothes damage the environment. You know, we have to. I don't know really know how clothes are. uh, What are they called? Manufactured now, but yeah, the manufacturing of a factory. That damages the environment. And Plus, then they like you're not gonna wear the same costume twice. Like my Halloween yeah. costume last year is still somewhere in my room. I'm not quite quite sure where it is, but I know <laughs> what I didn't were you last out. year? Uh, good question. What was that last year? You could you could wear it again. Yeah. It's probably anyway. It'll be fine. The, uh, textile workers historically and currently at some places in the world are oppressed mm. and don't get paid very well and they right. get used by their employers. So that's the other thing. And the other thing is the clothes are a construct. Put on us That's by right. society. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Forcing us into a box. Clothes are a That's social right. construct. So yep. I'm going to say the only way you can go to Halloween is to go nude. <laughs> Birthday just... suit, uh, 100% nude, and I'm going to do that this Halloween. Okay. And I reckon that's going to be a brave stand. It, it, wow. Well, that's well, quite a statement. It, it'll turn heads, that's for sure. Oh. Are you sure? <laughs> not, like, uh, I don't steal a show, really. Isn't going nude sort of just enforcing the patriarchy, just making everyone that's see you in your masculine, uh, very and masculine <laughs> male privilege? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. not, yeah, the privilege of ha- not having to wear clothes. Look, maybe, I don't know, that's why we're, we're sort of talking this out. But and the other thing is, Unlike those Extinction Rebellion pretenders the other week, yep. who I said a couple of weeks on the show had a nudie run to save the planet, where they weren't nude. That was two weeks ago. You still <laughs> I'm still on it. I want to talk about it every week. That to me sums the whole. in the coal convention down there today. You can go down and say if you want. They better be nude because I, I just it sums up the whole thing for me. All right, mm. uh, not my, So I was actually going. <laughs> 
for people listening, Peter's just thrown a pen on the ground. Yeah. I take a stand. Uh, all right. Uh, I was going to say, you need yeah, like if you want to go to something Warwick, if you want to go to something that doesn't cause offence and is going to make sure that everyone praises them equally, yep. uh, there's going to be no you know, person that gets put out, person that gets, like, uh, left out of things. I think you just need to go as people that really unite everyone and inspire greatness and everyone loves. So yep. I think the only costume that you can really go as is me and Pete. <laughs> like, one goes in a white T-shirt with a print design because God knows I do love them. And then one just throws together some sort of uh, T-shirt over a shirt that he wears yep. all the time combo and goes unshaven for a little bit. Different shirts, people. But <laughs> they're slightly different every week. Uh, I did not endorse that, by the way, listeners. But, but yeah. you do endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Would that what do you work? think? Could, we, could someone go as me and Pete? Okay, look. look. Okay, here it, we go. Could, I don't like that lead. Don't in. go through <laughs> my Twitter history. <laughs> yeah, okay. Firstly, we'd have to do a full background check. Yeah. Oh, okay, full okay. background check. Run it by the Extinction Rebellion guys, just, just in case. Including right, Facebook in chats? Everything. Ooh, everything, oh, okay. okay. Get everything like unencrypted, okay? We right. need to make sure that you're clean. Talk to Zuckerberg. Secondly... Even though you have no power over this, you still have a lack of melanin. So a lack of melanin. Yeah, nice, just, damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're just locked out from the get go. Well, really. all right, that that sucks because <sighs> uh, I would like to see people go as me and Pete. If you do go as me and Pete, send a photo. All right, uh, thank you for keeping us up to date. I guess we're still looking for. Uh, what a costume could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just going to say, any final piece of, pieces of advice for people it's going good. to a Halloween party? Maybe not costume focused, mm. but maybe just in general. Okay. Um, well, maybe if if you don't have an idea, just wear like a pumpkin over your head or something. That's the Peter Gregory school. Yeah, thing. Just, 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 just wear a pumpkin over your head. In yeah, make sure no seconds. one sees that you're white, um, <laughs> just in case, just okay. in case. Make sure no one sees that you're white. And um, really, if you just want to avoid the hassle, just just stay home. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I went as cricket player yeah. once. Went down pretty well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Happen to have cricket gear in my cupboard, so yeah. very convenient. Very convenient. Mine would be just don't go as the Joker. Oh. Like everyone's oh. going to go as Joker. <laughs> it's going to creep hard. everyone out. Uh, it's going <laughs> to suggest a few things about you. <laughs> don't go as Joker. It's everyone wants to. Don't do it. I reckon do it. I reckon do it. I well, say don't do it. Okay. Now I'm going to say you're don't do it. Sympathising with him. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you exactly. don't know what's going to happen. Like you know, anything can happen this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, don't go as the Joker. All right, cool. Luca, thank you so much for uh, keeping us up to date. And uh, right now, we'll go to the quiz. On you, Luca. Okay, welcome to another round of Hey, What Did We Miss? I've taken Pete by surprise. Call me on surprise. Uh, very quick introduction, but uh, we've got right. a very fun quiz for you. Mm. Uh, I'm actually going to do introductions this week. I forgot Good. last week. So, Dr. Bella Debrera joining us for the quiz. Dr. Bella Debrera, welcome. Thank you. Daniel Wilde. Thanks, Just James. nods again, yeah. head mainly, of, mainly an audio podcast. Head of research. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Head of uh, research. There we go. Head of research. Yeah. And uh, as w- always, the roof seal, Peter Gregory. Roof, roof. All right, so if it is your first quiz, one point for correct answers, one point off for incorrect answers. Uh, your buzzers will be your first name. So let's run through it. Bella. Bella. Can do that. Cool. Daniel. Daniel. Yep, it's clear and correct. And Pete. Roof, roof. Roof, roof for the roof seal. All right. Uh, let's fly into it. Now, there is going to be a bit of a Halloween theme. I did break the news to you with uh, seconds remaining in pre-show. And loves America. Was, uh, not greeted well. So <laughs> well, this just will be loves America. I do. And uh, let's go. All right. The, some will be Halloween, some will not. Question one. EU leaders have agreed to extend Brexit until what? Bella. Daniel. Oh. Bella was first. January, uh, January, the 30th, January the 31st. 31st. Oof. I think she said January the 30th. Though. No, oh. That was the first 31st. one. Yeah. She no, didn't, she didn't pause long enough. Come on, jump in, Pete. No. I, didn't, did I you, said January the 31st. Let's call it the 30th. Coalesce against 30, 30, 30, 30, 30 first. No, it's Senator. I'll pay the 31st. All right. Uh, question number two Which senator this week called for a GST overhaul? Daniel. Oh Daniel. Dean Smith. Indeed, he did. Oh, my God. All right. So, Bella's off to a flyer. Daniel's off to a flyer. The roof seal, the defending champion. Yet to be heard from. Oh, I never write off a champion, James. There's still a lot <laughs> of quiz to play. Are you just like embracing here? the Pat Hannaford school of quiz, which is just <laughs> yeah. leave these chumps to the regular questions <laughs> and come no, up with who am I? There's no prizes given out in October. Brain, <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Sorry, Makes sense in the context of the English Premier League, nothing else. Uh, good. Uh, and I'm the one that gets crap for liking <laughs> foreign influences. All right. Uh, question three. Uh, where did Halloween begin? As in what country? Yeah. Bella. Oh, Bella. That was a <laughs> no softest. Confidence. Bella. That was the softest. It began in the US of A. It did not. Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Uh, UK. Uh, I am 
going to pay that because it's Ireland, Scotland. It's yeah. like a pagan tradition yeah. right back in Roman well, times. Pretty controversial. So, it included Ireland as part of the UK, but that's all right. Well, we'll Northern on. Ireland. Could be. <laughs> wherever <laughs> the Celts were, mate. Uh, all right. Uh, question number, what are we up to? Four. What was the name of the ISIS leader that was killed Bella. last weekend? Oh. Al-Baghdadi. Al-Baghdadi is correct. Does that include all the first names? And Abu Bakir Al-Baghdadi. You just got dunked on, Pete. That is a sound. B-A-K-R-A-L-B-A-G-H-A-D-I. I'll uh, <laughs> keep quiet then. <laughs> There's a corner I'll, over there. I was, if like, you want to go I was like, oh, Baghdad? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not the right. tennis player. Marcos uh, <laughs> <laughs> Baghdad is still alive. Uh, question number five In which country was he killed? Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Uh, Iraq. Incorrect. Oh, Daniel. Oh, that's so Daniel. Syria. Correct. Well, it depends who you ask, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ask him. Ask the kids. Yeah, I can't ask him. Uh, all right. Uh, so, quick score check. Daniel taking the lead on two. Peter is on zero and Bella is on one. All right. Uh, question whatever the hell we're up to. I forget. Today is Halloween and also the start of which holiday in Mexico? Bella. Bella. Dia de los Muertos. I'm going to assume that's Day of the Dead. Yes. My Spanish Sorry, is Day rusty. Of the dead. Is, it, yep. is today Halloween? Uh, well, the show is coming out on Thursday, Peter. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> the old, I guess it is Halloween. I'm going to get rough quiz. This is a rough quiz. <laughs> this is the earliest we've ever done this a quiz. Is, I feel off. You guys feel off. We're getting there. We normally thank do God Dan was in a suit to bring some sort yeah, of... Bring uh, it up. Oh, we'll bring the standards Bella's up. speaking in like three different I'm languages. She's <laughs> <laughs> raising the standard. All right. Uh, who is the front runner to take over Q&A from Tony Jones? Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Hamish McDonald. He is indeed. Don't know if he's got the smarminess, but, uh, you know, you just build... He, do, he, is, he is sufficiently low IQ to take it over, so... <laughs> Well, I think our Q&A <laughs> ban is going to keep going. So. We haven't done the Q&A clap for a while. We have not. We should have the discussion outside <laughs> yeah. of the quiz. Does Hamish McDonald have it in him to give us the Q&A clap? Because yeah. we'd have to switch it over. Exactly. All right. So, uh, all right. Another one. Arias' 2019, 2019 horror film Midsommar follows characters attending a pagan festival in which country? One of my favourite films of the year. Go see it. Which hell. Sorry, I'm was thinking I don't know any of those words. Midsummer. Right, so Midsummer follows <laughs> characters attending a pagan Midsummer festival in which country? I'm going to have a crack because I'm on my way back. Yeah. Uh, roof, roof. Roof, roof. Um, Holland. Incorrect. <laughs> it was the right continent though, wasn't it? Uh, in a sense, yes. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, right continent, uh, but right? not same landmass. I don't have no idea. Right. This one out. Yeah. Okay. It is Sweden. Go see Midsummer. It is amazing. Go see it. Awesome. Those uh, countries are pretty similar. Holland and Sweden. Mm. <laughs> a lot well, of ways. Uh, all right. Uh, the IPA <laughs> last week hosted the visit of Dr. Patrick McLaughlin from the Mercator Centre to talk about talk, talk to Australian politicians about regulatory data in Australia's red tape crisis. Uh, there were 2,000 regulatory restrictions in Australia in the late 1970s. How many are there now? Daniel. Daniel. This is why I said of research. Oh. Do I need the exact number? I'll give closest to. 100,000. 100,000? Uh, I've got a feeling it's 71,000. 71,000? Uh, 80,000. Daniel gets it. It's 95,000. <laughs> If that I got that wrong, I would have been very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been pretty bad. We would have come up in your next performance bad. review, which is immediately after this quiz. It does work. All right. What are we? What are we up to, Jimmy? This We're up to the who am I, the last question. So we have... Score check. Yeah. Daniel's on four. Bella is on two. And Peter is on negative one. I can only draw. What's this worth? So it'll be five points for the first clue, then four points, three points, two points, one point. Should have a crack at This is interesting. Could like good. Pat, yeah. if you've miss, been missing the show, Pat Hannaford is the king of being so far behind the rest of the competition, <laughs> yeah. and then just getting the five. So point Pete needs to get line. it right on the first crack. He needs yeah. to get this one right. To force a tiebreaker on the force first crack. Yeah. yeah, I'll get it, mate. I'll get. It. Okay. I can guess good luck. Yeah, good luck. Right. Good luck. Go. Guess, guess right Go. now for six points. Who is it? <laughs> no points <laughs> off. <laughs> no. Uh, six points. Who no, is this, it? If I get this, you have to give it to me. So they would have died. I reckon that's fair. No, it would have been. William this would Shakespeare. be amazing. No, no points off. Give it minus six points. Give it minus six points. No. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Tough school>. cool. <laughs> he got it completely wrong. Can, can you imagine like, if just Pete just guessed the random person yeah. that this is? All right. uh, I was born, for five points, I was born 264 years ago this Saturday. Oh, well, that, yeah, mm. okay. Still quite tough, really. <laughs> um, just do the maths in your head. 264 years ago. 264 years ago. 264 years ago. Would it be... These people are deep in thought. Daniel's pressed his entire face. <laughs> That's what I'm I trying to keep the people listening. Um, 216, involved. you said. 264. 264. Yeah. Just trying to think of a person that old. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're, you know. they're not still alive. They're not still alive. It's not <laughs> yeah. Captain Cook. Okay. Well, I'm out. Good quiz, guys. Um, <laughs> um, who um, else is there? I'll just get yeah, going. Sure. So, oh, Pete. Wait. 
trying to think. <laughs> this is good. This must be good listening. Yeah, this is engaging. Well, these guys aren't going to Is it someone guess, like um, Captain Arthur Philip? It is not Captain Arthur Philip. Dan, do you want to give a five point just to absolutely like? So are these two are the biggest margin. No, they're out for this guess. question. They can come back here. Are there more yeah. questions? Yeah, there's yeah. another quote. It's yeah. not just like on Goes that face. Oh, so you can just grab a crack. And yeah, just, like just yeah. Oh, oh, Adam yeah. Smith. Adam, not, no, not Adam Smith. I for said four Adam points. Smith. Yeah, well, I don't know. I thought you had it. It would have been just as wrong. It would have been better than Captain Cook. Captain Cook was clearly for four points. It was born in Austria. Is this? Hang on. Did you say dead 264 years ago? No, born 264 years ago. They are dead though. Yeah, no yeah, spoilers, yeah, but yeah, they are dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only know Austrian economists. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Nerd. Um, um, <laughs> this is nothing sound. Did you know? Uh, all right. So for three points, I was married to a foreign prince and became queen of a different nation in 1774. I don't know. Ballard or no? Um, She's good with that stuff like that. It's, a, it's um, um, Marie Antoinette. It is Marie Antoinette. Oh, Ballard gets the three, which means we have a tiebreaker. Oh, <laughs> no. And for people that have listened to the quiz, they know I stubbornly refuse week after week to prepare for this, <laughs> yeah. even though it's happened like three of the it last happens, four weeks. It's a low-scoring quiz. Like it is a low-scoring quiz. Tiebreakers. Okay. Uh, this was a late question that I had to cut. So how does this okay. work? So, well, whoever gets this question right wins oh, the quiz. Oh, no, well, that's pretty straightforward. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, and I'm out. I thought it would be some options. Just. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. So you're out. Which of the so following. Bella. Yeah. Yeah. Which of the following films oh. did I make up in my head? <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> what kind so of is question? this like a multiple choice question? All right, so two of these are going to be actual films and one of them is going to be a fake uh-huh. and the person that identifies the fake wins a quiz. There you go. Got it? Yeah. Okay, wait till the end. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Do we have to actually do we say have our to, name? Do we have to add your name or are you just going to give us a chance to do... I think I'll be able to discern which one's Bella and which one's Daniel. No, but is, oh. it, is, it, is it do they first jump in? in or is it just uh, both first give in. Us We'll a go chance. first in because this might be easy. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. The what, vegan what did next, you say? say sorry, again. which film did I make up in say my head? Say the words. Say the film words. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh-huh. The Vegan Next Door. Ooh. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Daniel. Daniel. C. B. The Vegan Next Door is the one I made up in my head. Bella wins a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Bella. Well done, Bella. Snap to Bella. Bella, well done. Thank one you. day Thank I will you. think to actually make a tiebreaker question. <laughs> it wasn't as impressive as Mary Antoinette. Was or, not as. Uh, ma- Im- Saying that ISIS guy's name correctly, <laughs> but it was still good. And the Day of the Dead in perfect Spanish. That's yeah, right. I, All right. Yeah, I wasn't. Cool. Oh, All thanks, right. everyone. Well We've got more show for you after this. See you later. Okay, well done on the quiz again. Did you win? I, I did not win. No, Bella, Bella, did. Bella did win. Okay. I came well, last and got in. less than zero. Okay. But, um, <laughs> oh, no. but it's good to see you've got I your forgot f- about that. finger on the pulse, James. <laughs> less than zero. No wasting time. You did. We're going along this show. Lesson zero. Uh, All right. Uh, Let us go through some stories that have made us laugh this week. And nothing made me quite laugh harder than... uh, Well, okay. Let me set this up. So by now, everyone wouldn't have known the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, dead. As as Bella Uh, knows very well. Dead, uh, in the words of Donald Trump, died like a coward, Mm -hmm. which I like as the extra touch on that. Uh, And uh, the obituaries are coming out. And most of the the obituaries are honing in on the fact that the guy was a leader of ISIS. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Washington Post and Bloomberg Politics decided to take it in a bit of a different Mm -hmm. direction. So the Washington Post had the headline, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, dies at 48. Austere religious scholar. Just really studious. Just really just austere. And uh, Bloomberg Politics, uh, Islamic leader al-Bakr al-Baghdadi transformed himself from a little-known teacher of Quranic recitation into the self-proclaimed ruler of an entity that covered swaths of Syria and Iraq. Now, those swaths of Syria and Iraq you might know as ISIS territory. Uh, Bloomberg didn't really include that part. Um, But yeah, the... Uh, swing and a miss on those two headlines. Washington Post, uh, one of the reporters tweeted out like, oh, it shouldn't have been read that way. So it's uh, we've changed the headline. Yeah. It doesn't matter how it was read. <laughs> like you wrote it that way. That's yeah. crazy. How can no one look at that and go, I don't think we've quite nailed I, that headline. Yeah, I don't think we've ha- nailed the fact that the guy is evil. Yeah, I, I don't, it really confused me actually. Do you think that, I mean, is that just a stuff up or? Well, so here's the thing, because the New York Times had the famous uh, obituary on Joseph Stalin, which was Stalin rose from Tsarist depression to transform Russia into a mighty socialist state. Okay. So I just like the idea that in the obituary writing community, uh, there is a code. Yeah. And the code is, no matter what happened, we are deifying them and we are letting them be remembered as they would have wished. Let's find the positives. Like, in life, 
they're yours. Like, yep. they're the public's. You can say what you want, but in death, they're mine. So you're saying... And Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is an austere scholar in my books. He's just, just lived a really uh, good lifestyle. No, yep. uh, I found one as well, not in the media, but Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, now, she said, he may have died a coward, real Donald Trump, but all living things suffer when they are blown up. Anyone who's experienced warfare, unlike yourself, would know that. War is brutal. Dogs are brave, bold, loyal, loving, and healing, which is true. Yep. Uh, but James- I just like the idea that halfway through that tweet, Jamie Lee Curtis goes, this is a little pro-Baghdadi. Better yeah. throw in the dogs are everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make sure I get the retweets. But the key thing for me was that Jamie Lee Curtis correctly identified that all things suffer when they're blown up. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. So, take that biologists. Fantastic stuff. All right. Uh, no, so I was going to say, uh, <laughs> like, about the... Uh, obituary writing community it is yep. a fascinating community to me so I've, I've just re- written a few of uh obituaries that uh maybe like if i start playing around with these headlines i can be accepted into their community because yeah. it does seem a pretty good job yeah uh, i've got here jeffrey Dahmer, experimental cook dead at 34 okay uh i've also got genghis khan diplomat and explorer dead at 65 diplomat diplomat i mean the man did bring nations together i did one and this is not to say that this guy's as bad as any of those justin trudeau who is still alive <laughs> he's by still the way. alive definitely still alive <laughs> but it's the first person that came to mind yeah uh when he does eventually die it will be justin trudeau well-liked Canadian, Canadian leader who enjoyed exploring different cultures. <laughs> he did indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, that is – all right. So let's move on because, Pete, we've got a stat about Parliament House. Well, you know I love nuclear power, James, and I've got a stat, as you say, about Parliament House. Parliament House emits more radiation than a nuclear power plant. Now, this was in a Minerals Council booklet distributed just this week uh, in between getting spat on by protesters. <laughs> the Minerals Council put this one out. Uh, now – the reason, now a quote from the report, that's because of the large amount of granite and other natural stone used in its construction, Parliament House's construction. These materials naturally emit radiation through trace amounts of uranium, but there's no need to panic, James, because mm. levels emitted are minuscule, mm. although ironically, likely still higher than would be acceptable at a nuclear power station. So I'd like to say, bit of shade from the Minerals Council. Uh, I, look, I... Bit of sass. Bit of sass. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I know that you've told me to relax, mm. but I think this is absolutely terrifying. Because everyone knows exposure to radiation leaves you with superpowers. Uh, and if people are going into Parliament House every single day and getting exposed to superpower, superpower-given radiation, yeah. uh, we're about to have a league of super legislators on our hands. What? Like, we need the weed, weed legalisation in Canberra to come in yesterday yeah. to you know, at least bring down the level of power the legislators are coming to work with every morning. I don't think these guys have ever been described as super legislators before, <laughs> James. So, Well, they're most- passing a lot of red tape and maybe it's because of the superpowers that we're unintentionally giving them every single day they rock up to work. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe the Minerals Council onto something here. I would point out that on average, Aussies are exposed to 1.5 MSV of radiation. Who knows what that is? From natural sources every year, the equivalent to 75 chest X-rays. That's a lot of chest X-rays. Yeah. Now, if I'm being exposed to that every year, I want a clean bill of health. And every like three days, I want to be updated on how clean my bill of health is on my chest. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on because, uh, look, one of Pete and I's favorite shows mm. is Q&A. Oh, it's the favorite. We definitely watch it every week. Mm. And we definitely watch it to uh, be informed mm. and not entertained. Uh, but Tony Jones... Uh, the legend, the austere legend, if I may, of Q&A, <laughs> uh, is stepping down. And there's been a lot of talk about who's going to be next one. And Frank Kelly gets thrown out, mm-hmm. Annabelle Crabb gets thrown out. But the leader at the moment is Hamish McDonald. And the good news is that on this week's Q&A, as we discussed with Topher Field uh, when they were talking about the drought, we did get a decent look at what Hamish McDonald brings to the table. Now, Pete, I understand you brought a clip in. Oh, well, yeah, I've brought a clip. So, Saul, play the tape of Hamish's performance, like a little snatch of Hamish's performance from the weekend, uh, from Monday. Welcome to this Q&A drought special. I'm Hamish McDonald. We've had an overwhelming response to this special with questions coming in from right across our drought-affected regions tonight. Okay, so Just a short clip. let's break that down. Uh, look, here are the things that I look for in a Q&A host. P- yeah. Feel free to add to this. Okay. I look for smarminess. <laughs> I look for a condescending attitude to people that he thinks are um, inferior to him. Yeah. And I look for a good amount of crowd control. Okay. I like Tony Jones being able to quell a crowd when they're getting a bit too boisterous or maybe bring them up when they're being a bit too soft. Yeah. Anything that you want to add to that? Well, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think that he exhibited that. I th- you know that sort of sinking feeling? It was in- earnest. <laughs> it was, was very earnest. To be honest, that was the only bit that I saw. <laughs> but the, 
when I, I watched the opening just before, I didn't get the sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach I normally get when Q&A comes on. Yeah, so here's the thing. I like him. Yeah, okay. It's interesting you bring that up because I've got another thing to say and then we're going to get to why that's important. Okay. Now, the Australian, when they were talking about who's going to take over from Q&A, said that Hamish McDonald is a front runner because insiders like his ability to question both politicians from both sides. Okay. Now... If Pete loses his sinking feeling at the start of Q&A, and if Q&A starts treating both politicians from the same side equally, no one on the centre-right has anything to talk about on Q&A before. Like, everyone loves to talk about how biased Q&A is. And yeah. if this bias stops, what's left to talk about? Exactly. What's it's- left to tune in for? What is left to yell about to your TV? We need You this. will miss it when it's gone. Exactly. Amish McDonald cannot take over. You will miss Tony Jones sneering at you through your TV screen when he's gone. Oh, I, yeah. Well, I hadn't seen it like that. I'd sort of maybe I've sort of fallen in love with this guy without exactly. before you know really you know thinking about all the contingencies because I mm-hmm. thought I quite like him and yeah. we need that for content. You need that for content. All right. Uh, last story because I know oh, we're running well, long. Oh, one more. Uh, no, nah, that's right. Let's just keep going. All right. <laughs> what an absolute mystery of the show that will be. What Peter Gregory was going to say then, but Pete. Talk, talk to us about Bud Darling. Yeah, right. So uh, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, personal lawyer to the President of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, has left... Busy day. Has left, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a busy job. Got a fair bit on. Uh, has left two unintended voicemail messages to, to a reporter's phone, and it's the same reporter, yep. So, which is odd. Uh, Rich Shapiro from NBC, no relation. Might be relation, not sure. Uh, to who? The Shapiros. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention, mate. Are you related to every Gregory? Shapiro is a bit more uncommon than Gregory. Anyway, let's focus on the story. We're running out of time. Uh, so there, was, there were two voicemails, three minutes. One of the first one was three minutes long. One of them, uh, he's bagging Joe Biden the whole time, the whole three minutes. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to tell if it was a voicemail, like if it was a Bob Dale or not. He might have just called him. And, you know, uh, so that was the first one. And, and then the second one, he said, we need a few hundred thousand. Tough. So who Tough. knows what that is on about. But the thing I liked about this was one was on the 28th of September and one was on the night of the 16th of October. So I, was, I thought when I first read it, they were going to be two minutes yeah, you know, apart, but they were like weeks apart. No, it's a, a serial thing. The same and the, guy. The few hundred thousand was definitely in response to money, because Giuliani says the problem is we need some money. The two men go silent. Nine seconds pass. No word is spoken. That sounds terribly nine awkward. Nine seconds. They need a lot of money. All right, let's do a nine second silence. No, no I'm we've not done doing time, a nine But second. you can imagine how long that is. Uh, then Ch- Giuliani chimes in again. We need a few hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think like what would be the worst thing that Giuliani could have left on a uh, on a journalist's voicemail oh. as part of a butt dial. The one I came up with is. At least they haven't found the second transcript. Yeah. Or the second <laughs> of law. Like, imagine yeah. that. Uh, and all right, so here's a question for you that I have from this. Now, yep. what is worse? Someone telling you that you left a butt dial voicemail with them, and you don't know what it is, you don't know what was said. Yeah. Or second, accidentally replying all on an email. Oh, replying all. Oh, um, hang on. Do I know what I've said with the reply all? Well, you wrote in the email, but you just accidentally pressed reply all. What if it was reply. something completely benign, like... You know, anything. Well, yes, I would like a coffee, thanks. <laughs> yeah, but then you've let 46 people just gone. Mate, <laughs> yeah, but it depends. What Pete it wants is. a coffee. <laughs> Reply all has the capacity to just be an absolute nightmare, and I've heard some absolute nightmares. Yes. Actually, can I tell you about an experience in my life? Yes. I once butt-dialed the, the ambassador of the Czech Republic <laughs> from the Pyramid Hill Footy Club Ball. Wow. And he, and Did it you was start during, an international incident? Not quite. It was during the Vlakov Klaus tour of Australia, run by the IPA a few yep. years ago, and... He said, is everything okay? It sounds like you're having a good time. <laughs> he didn't say the second bit. He said, is everything okay? And uh, uh, messaged him back straight away and said, all good. Okay. I can't remember what his name was. Uh, fair. All right. I would go. So are you like on butt dialing or reply all? Uh, I think reply all has, for some reason, capacity to be worse. All right. Uh, but but I, I don't like with the butt dial. I could have said anything. Could have been at any point in the night. Yeah. What if I was trashing them? And my phone yeah. goes, call. Oh. you know, what if I'm saying like, that Peter Gregory is such an idiot. And my phone just hears, call Peter Gregory. And yeah. then, you know, this is the problem with Google tracking you. Yeah, yeah. hear you at all times. The reply all is to lots of people. Right. That's just the one. Yeah, but it's to the key one. All right. Uh, that is it for the show this week. Thank you again to Topher Field and to Luca Rossi. Uh, bad luck to hear the peak got negative one on the quiz. Oh, uh, well, I wouldn't have, you wouldn't have even remembered negative that if I hadn't one. brought it up. Yeah, I don't know why you did. That's <laughs> I just right. I don't mind. I win, every, I win every week. All right. Uh, and uh, make sure you are downloading on any podcast platform. Tell your friends because we're also on our YouTube and the IPA's new Facebook page. Make sure you are subscribed to the Young IPA Podcast's YouTube channel. That's where you get all of the content. And if you are listening through iTunes, make sure you leave us a five-star review and a comment if uh, you want to. Yeah, and know. also thank you very much, Saul, for all your work. <clears throat> the hell just happened there all right see you guys next week stay up (laughs) 